Do you uh, find yourself becoming skeptical of what people say these days? I'm not talking just about politicians, but that seems like an uh, open illustration. We've got advertisements. You've got uh, posts that people put out there. You get emails that offer you a grand prize, and if you respond and give them your bank account, there's... So many things that people say that we become skeptical of everything. And it doesn't seem like it really matters what people say. In fact, we can get that skepticism can, uh, well, people have fancy marketing ploys or maybe it's outright scam. We had a, um, a little scam ourselves this summer. We were renting a cabin up north. And after paying the down payment and looking at the pictures, we started to get a little suspicious, a little skeptical. And sure enough, as we did some research, we found out that the people that live in that house were not renting it out. As a... But the question isn't what the society is doing. For today, we're looking at you. What do you say? And can people trust what you say? Does what you say matter? So I thought, uh, you know, it's important to know that what you say matters because it's recorded. All of uh, history seems to be recorded on the internet. So I thought I better Google myself to find out what what does it say about Kevin Olson. So I found these pictures of myself out there. I, I decided to choose the one in the lower right-hand corner. I thought that use that as my new profile picture. Uh, then I found another one that I liked even better. <laughs> this man was a uh, football player at Bethel, and actually the two of us did get confused, and uh, thankfully he has good character. It says about him uh, that he was... a. He participated in football, basketball, track and field. He was a two-time all-conference offensive MVP, academic, all-state in football. And I said, that's what I want to be known about me. (laughs) It was not true from my past. It can be now. Last week, we talked about what we see on the outside. What people do reveals what's inside. This week, we're talking about what we say that reveals what's on the inside. So you stop and think about how do you know what's in a person's mind or their heart? If you just stop to listen to them, they'll tell you. What they say reveals what is on the inside. So let's look at James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Kind of a challenging text here, kind of. James just puts it out there. No sugar coating. Chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by a strong wind, they are steered 
by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small, small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals and birds, reptiles, and sea creatures have been tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we do pray that you would illuminate it to us and to our minds, our hearts. Open our eyes to understand what you would have for us today. And, and I pray for your healing in, in those areas needed. In Jesus' name, amen. So the point is that what you say matters. And so that means that we should take control of what we say, right? And we are very capable at talking. We like talking. If we're in a safe environment, we will just go on and on about things that are important to us. I remember being at a family gathering where I was watching two people talk about two different topics to each other. I don't think either of them was listening to the other one. Maybe that's your family also. I'm not going to compare. I enjoy listening to people. I ask a lot of questions because I find that I can get to know who they are and how they think regardless of the topic they're talking about just by their response. And so James has strong words to those of us who like to talk. Verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So really, maybe this message is just for me. Or small group leaders. It's a dangerous thing to teach the Word of God. It's possible, I've seen it happen, where something that you said, people actually heard and listened to. But we do fail so often in these things that we say. Think of uh, the danger of teaching. You know, the, the reality is that I'm not the only teacher. Anytime we put ourselves out there to instruct somebody, maybe it's pairing, parenting, maybe it's sharing your opinion, maybe it's correcting somebody even while you're driving, you're correcting someone. 
giving advice to neighbors, posting on social media, sending an email that gets mass uh, communication. Anytime we try to correct, inform, persuade, give advice, we put ourselves in that role. And in the word, this text says that you will be judged more strictly. Maybe you're even right in what you say. Maybe somebody will even listen to what you say. The other side of that is to know what is right and not say it. And God is having a conversation with Ezekiel, and he, God says, uh, If I say to the wicked, you will surely die, and you, Ezekiel, give him no warning or speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life. That wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood... I will require it your hand. You know, if, if we're going to analyze our lives and try and give a, a barometer or maybe a uh, um, spiritual uh, maturity, probably the tongue is the area that is going to be the most accurate and the area that we fail most quickly. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. There was a person who said to the pastor, I've, bec- I've reached sinless perfection. And the pastor just says, do you mind if I ask your wife? Some things that we say are um, honest mistakes. Other times we say hurtful things regardless because we feel the need to correct somebody or something. We're not perfect. We exaggerate, we boast, we insist that we're right. And what we say matters. Verse 3, we need to take control. When we put uh, bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal Or ships, for example. Although they are so large, driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. You know, I I suggested at the first service that we should have some device, a bit, that we can put in our mouth to keep us from saying stupid things. And then somebody said they actually make such a thing. And I, maybe I need to buy one of those. Do you notice the, diff- the similarity there between the horse example and the ship? If there's one thing that is controlling each of them, it's a pilot or a, a rider. And that controls the direction of every aspect of the animal or the ship. We try to control what we say. And we can change the direction and the course of our life by what we say. We can speak positively about someone or negatively. And it changes the course of our life, maybe as well as theirs. We can insist that we are correct or we can humbly admit our failure. We can confess our sins or we can cover up our mistakes. We can encourage someone or we can tear them down. We can apologize or we can hold a grudge. All of that will direct the course of our life, where we head. 
And realistically, we do not hold our tongues well because we lose control. What you say matters when you lose control. James, James gives several examples of losing control of our tongue. And if you stop and think about the things that you have had arguments about or said to people, they are stupid things. That I was thinking back on the first arguments that Pam and I had, they were over really stupid things. Now we have arguments over things that are very more important. <laughs> we do, uh, we, we, that's maybe a little exaggerated. It is, uh, if we lose control and we have fights over stupid things, I know as I asked the staff about this topic and we were discussing it a bit as we do every week, and the, the challenge of what we say to people and how quickly we say things that hurt others. It was amazing to me how everybody said, yeah, I remember saying this, and it hurt someone in this way. And all of a sudden, there's a wall instead of a bridge. Verse 5. Words burn. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. If we have that anger that's building up inside of us, it spills out and we attack. We say harsh words. We criticize. We feel inadequate. We try to boost ourselves up. We try and push someone else down. It all comes from an overflow of what's going on on the inside. We're out of control. And we pass that fire on to others. And sometimes we even do the same to ourselves. We put, demean ourselves. In which case then we are despising what God has made also. Evil words. They hurt us. And we hurt others both directions. Verse 6. The tongue is a fire. A world of evil among the body, parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Words can hurt people deeply. I bet that every single person here has been hurt by something that someone has said. Even if that statement is not true, we need to allow our identity, who we are, to come from outside of ourselves. It needs to come from the Lord and what He says about us, as opposed to the flesh nature that is so uh, prone to the evil response. 
Because those evil words that we hear then become a part of our thought process and they flow out to others. Even the evil words, uh, the most evil words, maybe to, to describe it this way, are the words that take God's word and twist it. Maybe that's questioning your identity, who God says you are and what he says about you. Adam and Eve are having this conversation with a snake, uh, Satan in the garden. Kind of a comical picture if you think about it. And what does Satan do? He twists what God says. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Or he did the same thing to Jesus. If you are the Son of God, then turn these stones to bread. Then throw yourself down. Our whole life can be affected by what we have heard and by what we say. And those words take root in our mind, they come out and they flow over. Verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. See, the challenge is not about what others, it's how is your tongue? Has it been tamed? And I think there's maybe no area of our life that is more difficult to control. It's a restless evil, and it lashes out. A deadly poison to our own hearts needs to be cleaned out. And so as we talk about a very sensitive topic, it's, it's an opportunity to ask forgiveness for areas of your life where you have lashed at somebody else. It's an opportunity to ask the Lord for his identity and receive healing, healing words. Because what you say matters when you yield control. Instead of trying to control everything, maybe the very first thing we need to learn is that our nature, our flesh nature, is to, is to uh, say things that are unkind and evil. As opposed to the, when the Spirit is controlling our, our speech. If... If the Holy Spirit was controlling what you did and what you said, what would that look like? Maybe another way to ask that question is, is there a difference between the Christian and the non-Christian in what we say? You know, we can think of non-Christians that are very good and kind in what they say, and we can think of Christians that are pretty coarse, hurtful. Verse 9 with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. There's a couple of differences that show out from this verse between the Christian and the non-Christian. The first is, is that the Christian praises God. The non-Christian has no basis, no acknowledgement, or no understanding of 
who they would thank or why. As opposed to the one who recognizes that regardless of our failure and our stumblings, he is still God. And then the same, the second difference is those that are made in his image. The image bearer has value because of whose image it is bearing. The, the person that does not, uh, the person that is trusting in Christ, believing in God, has a different perspective on who is in charge to, to see God above all. And they see a different perspective on the people themselves because they're made in God's image. Those two differences create a chasm that our world struggles with. It's a worldview difference that we are in the middle of right now. People that recognize, acknowledge God, people that do not. People that recognize and acknowledge the image of God and those that do not. And the argument cannot be won with human arguments or human discussion. It has to be a revealed thing that God opens somebody's mind to understand who he is and, and how that affects. Third point, uh, third difference between the Christian and non-Christian. Verse 10 and 11. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Can both fresh water and salt water come flow from the same spring? Third difference is the ability to bless people. Because blessing in and of itself requires a source. Where does the blessing come from? I can say blessings to somebody who has no power. But God has the ability to bless. It is, he is the source of blessing. And then the opposite is true with the tongue we curse, human beings. And curses also have a source. And it is the opposite source as coming from God. The two don't have anything in common. And James struggles with this problem. He says, why is it that these two opposite sources are coming from the same mouth? When we yield control to the Holy Spirit, He is the one that controls and is the source of everything that comes and flows out with, from within. Verse 12. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? This last example that James gives describes uh, the fruit or the result that comes from the life of a person. The difference between, because if we acknowledge God and we see his image in people and we bless them, all of that coming from God, it's going to have a different trajectory for how our life turns out. It will bring about a different type of fruit.
I want to close with a story of two teenagers. Both of them uh, attended Alden Conger Junior High Middle School. Both of them were in the same grade. Both of them were in wrestling together. Both of them were teased and picked on. But there was two of them so that when one was getting teased, the other one had a break. And when that one was getting teased, then the other one had a break. One's name was Dennis. Came from a non-Christian home and he lived with his relatives because his home wasn't very stable. There's a lot of verbal problems there. Dennis was a little bit different. He liked to read more than do chores on the farm. And so he was picked on for some of those differences. The other boy, his name was Oli. Oli came from a Christian home. He was the shortest kid in his class, and so he was picked on for that. His dad was a pastor, so he was picked on for that. But he knew that he was loved in spite of what other people said. So when Oli moved away from Alden, Dennis was left alone. And the words that people said became too much to bear. He couldn't take it anymore. Oli found that when he got to the new town, he was still the shortest kid in his class. His dad was still a pastor. But he knew that he was loved in spite of what others said about him. So when Dennis died, Oli made a commitment to help people who were being picked on. And he found that every person had pain in their life by what somebody had said. Some of you here today are remembering quickly things that uh, people have said to you, and it is a deep wound in your heart. Others of you are thinking of things that you have said that need to have God's forgiveness. And we're going to have a time of prayer up in front. We need to have this, even as we shared in our staff meeting, some very deep hurts that came out quickly. And that is true here in our congregation, in our midst. Things that we have said that have been defaming people that are made in God's image, or hurts that are stuck inside and still boil out in our response to others. What you say matters, but what matters more is what Jesus says. And these are some of the, just a few of the many promises that he says. To the one who needs forgiveness, he says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. For the one that's been hurt, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
To one that is feeling weary, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit, and that your fruit should abide. What you say matters, but what Jesus says about you matters so much more. And I pray that today you would be able to find forgiveness and healing as you bring all of these topics to the cross. Amen.